Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it's time for Let's Talk About Jesus, a Bible study that I believe is going to be so relevant to you today. I know it is to me. Every time I study for this broadcast, my own soul is enriched with the Word of God, and and I'm instructed of how to win the battles that we all face as Christians living in the last of the last days, in the perilous time, in a time when, when deception would be at a at an all time high, and sometimes and in many circles, the discernment uh, that is necessary uh, to not be deceived and defrauded of what God has for us and what He wants of us in these last days uh, we we are not prepared biblically and spiritually and scripturally for these days unless we get deep Deeper into the Word of God than just the surface things, uh, sweet little, I call them sermonettes for Christianettes that uh, never get out of uh, spiritual bassinets. Today we absolutely need to grow up in the Lord and stand up, stand up. Hallelujah for the truth of the gospel today and flesh it out and live it out in our daily walk. Well, we're talking about the battle for the mind and we've been talking about the scriptures that declare uh, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus. I want to talk about Satan's area of influence over the unbeliever in this topic, the battle for the mind, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. It says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, friends, Satan, in his role as God of this age, has conducted a relentless, well-planned strategy to blind men and women, boys and girls' minds to the truth about God and how to know Him, to the truth of our lost condition and how to come to Jesus, how willing He is to forgive us and reconcile us to God. The veil, He wants to veil the truth of the gospel. Someone has said, whoever controls the mind controls the will. And whoever controls the will controls the life. And whoever controls the life controls the destiny. That's why the enemy of your soul and mine seeks to control and influence our minds and the minds of everyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I want you to go with me as we consider his strategy to Revelation chapter 2, verse 12 through and 13. It says, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, 
These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. You should underscore that in your mind. If your Bible is open, you need to highlight it or underscore that. Where Satan's seat is. And thou hold fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Talking about you live in a city that Satan has chosen for his base of operations. This word seat here is the word thronus. It's self-explanatory. It's where we get thrown. It's from threo um, in the Greek. And it means to sit, to be enthroned. A stately seat, a throne. You see, the devil, friend, is not omnipresent like God. He had a headquarters a base of operations that was strategic to his plan to blind and influence the minds of mankind. And at the time of John's writing here, he chose Pergamos. Let me give you some information and background on why he would want to, to use his influence in that city and from that city in particular to use his influence to influence the whole world if it were possible. Listen, Pergamos lay north of Smyrna and was considered one of the finest cities of Asia. It had little or no commerce but was remarkable for its learning, refinement, and science, and in particular, its medicine and medical science. It was famous for its library, which consisted of, at that time, an extraordinary number. It wouldn't be now, but then, in this ancient time of John's writing, there was 200,000 books at Pergamos. It was a cultural and intellectual center. It was also famous, or rather infamous, for its idolatry. There was a sculpture of Zeus in that city. The city also had a temple dedicated to a god of healing whose insignia was the entwined serpent on a staff. This is still a medical symbol today. False healings were said to be wrought by the priest. Pergamos was called the city of temples. Some called it the metropolis of heathen divinity. Idolatrous rites and impure, sensuous, licentious worship were observed. And the only library larger was in Alexandria. It burned, leaving Pergamos as the largest library in the world. I believe it's significant that Satan chose an intellectual center combined with false religion, to use as his base of operations. You see, the battle for the mind is critical for Satan's strategy of deceit. 
There are many, many, I've heard according to statistics, many Christian young people that really didn't get rooted and built up in Jesus who when they got out of high school, if they went to college, that's where they they begin to doubt their faith and some turn from the faith. Friend of mine, it's vitally important that we understand the wiles of the devil, his strategy of deceit. You see, that's what it meant in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And friend of mine, right now, the Bible says that we are to be aware that this battle is raging like never before. We need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind after we come to know Christ as our Savior. And then we need to recognize that the God of this world, influencing through institutions of higher learning, through the media, through Hollywood, through every, through music, every kind of influence to, to get the minds of men blinded to the glorious offer of forgiveness and reconciliation, blinded from the eternal destiny of the human soul, whether banished and punished forever from the presence of God or whether brought into God's presence, God's holy city, to live with Him forever. Oh, friend of mine, How can anyone be so blind? Well, the Bible said they are blinded because Satan is using uh, every influence on the mind in our culture to bring this spiritual blindness. I want to read from Ephesians 2, verse 2 and 3. Before we were saved, we were under Satan's influence. Listen. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 2 and 3, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we also had our conversation in times past. Conversation here is not about you and I talking together or two people having a conversation. It means our behavior. It means our values. It means our lifestyle. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires, listen, of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So we get the term, the carnal mind in Scripture, is better understood as the fleshly mind, a mind totally governed by our falling flesh nature. So the enemy, therefore, desires to defeat God's desire to reconcile sinful fallen man. Look at Colossians 1 and verse 21. It said, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. I like the New American Standard. It said you were hostile in mind. It's easy for Satan to build his stronghold of deceit in the hostile mind. 
to gain an influence to evil works. Look at Romans 8 and verse 7. It said, The carnal mind is enmity. See, this hostile mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You see, that's why we need as we preach the gospel to not just seek reformation. Reformation doesn't come first. Revelation comes first. Then regeneration, all by the Holy Spirit. And then the life begins to change. Hallelujah. This word enmity in the Greek is hostility. Literally, hatred, a reason for opposition. Many times the gospel and in the Christian uh, are not, many times the gospel and the Christian are not met with violent opposition because Satan controls the mind. And then there are other times when he will rise up through people to reject and, and, and just hate the fact uh, that someone is carrying this glorious light of the gospel and representing that gospel. Jesus said, marvel not that the whole world hate you. It hated me before it hated you. <laughs> Look in Ephesians four seventeen through 19, and once again we see Satan's strategy of deceit. It said, This I say and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. I want to go back for just a moment to Ephesians 6. We're, we're receiving a lot of material, but I want to just quote that. You don't have to turn to it. I'm not turning to it. But the Scripture says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. I want you to remember Pergamos was, was an idolatrous city, but it was also an intellectual and cultural center. So Satan could influence from that place uh, so many, many, many People, listen to me carefully. You know the Bible said, "Let your the let gird up the loins of your mind in the Scripture, to prepare our mind, to fill our mind with the truth of the gospel, with the Word of God. Not let the world have sway over us." Listen, there is vanity of the mind here. The understanding becomes darkened, bringing ignorance spiritually. Blindness of heart resulting in lasciviousness, being past feeling given over to uncleanness and greed. It all starts with the vanity of the mind. Vanity here in the Greek is, is depravity of the mind. Uh, the futility of the mind. You see, Satan is so deeply entrenched in our present society. Nothing 
short of successful spiritual warfare, will result in the loosening of his prisoners. His strongholds in the minds of men must be cast down. You see, I've heard this out of context so many times. We see strongholds, and there are strongholds over people, over cities, but in everyone who is not saved today, and in everyone who doesn't know Christ today, their minds have been blinded. They are under this blinding and binding influence of the devil. And so in order uh, to preach successfully, to testify and to witness successfully, to see these strongholds that the enemy is so good at building into the minds through all that he uses to influence the minds of men and women, boys and girls, the weapons of our warfare, listen to it, not only in our own mind, but in the minds of those who believe not, Second Corinthians 10, this began our study. We're going back to it today. Verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I like one translation. It says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Hallelujah. Praise God. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. <laughs> Strongholds here used first in the basic sense as a fortress. And then metaphorically anything on which one relies. In the context here it's used for the arguments and reasonings by which a, a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. Imaginations in the Greek means a reasoning thought, used here for the thoughts of reason, which in its self-vaunting, uh, in its self-vaunting shuts itself off from God. You see, this, this stronghold of pride and self-sufficiency, this exalting of man above God uh, uh, keeps someone from from yielding themselves and hearing the truth and responding to it. And as we intercede for them, we're able to see those strongholds that Satan has meticulously and masterfully designed and, and built into that mind begin to deteriorate, begin to fall down. Uh, my son is with the Lord now, but many years ago he had a, a drug and an alcohol problem. And I remember when, when I was interceding for him and he was playing in a, in a pop band and going from club to club to club and he was excellent at the guitar, raised in church, but had never met Jesus Christ 
personally. And when he got married, got out on his own, he, he, he went like so many. He, the world influenced him and he gave in. His mind was blinded. He knew uh, the truth, uh, had heard it preached and seen it lived out and heard it taught. But he had never embraced it himself. And I remember as I interceded for him, he said I was actually going back to the motel one afternoon. I had been out. I was going back. And I was going to to drink and, and do drugs with the rest of the band. He said when I got to the motel room, they were already uh, doing uh, whatever they were doing, uh, they were under the influence of a of of what they were addicted to. He said it was about ninety degrees in that room in the summertime. They hadn't even turned the air conditioner on, and they were just in this haze uh, that uh, that 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 they were, he would have been in with them. But he said it, it was like a light bulb. He said, Dad, it was like a light bulb that came on in my head, in my mind, and, and told me, you must not continue this. You are not like this. This will destroy you. And when that light bulb came on, that's when a stronghold came down. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. How does it go through God? It's when we intercede in prayer. We use a weapon. I've often said it many times. Men can remove themselves from our presence. They can close their ears to our words, but they have no defense against our prayers. Hallelujah. Amen. Satan greatly fears those who are praying for those who are lost. He knows the power of that prayer. He knows this is a weapon that will bring down a stronghold. Hallelujah. And allow the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus to shine into a sin-darkened, blinded mind. Hallelujah. And that person will have an opportunity. Amen. Hallelujah. To come to know Christ as their Savior. According to Reverend Jesse Powers, I'll give you this quote today in that, in that vein. He said, in a little obscure village in the state of Maine, a few earnest Christians got together and formed a prayer band. They selected the most hopeless case in the village and began to pray for his salvation. He was a drunkard and a human wreck, but eventually he was saved. After he was saved, they selected another and then another. In a single year, oh, friend of mine, I'm getting goose pimples here. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're, we're tapping into something that the enemy wishes we would not see, understand, appreciate, or appropriate. But it's too late. We're already in the Word of God, and the Word of God is already getting in us. Amen. In a single year, more than 200 were saved. Praise God. Every great awakening, I want to make this statement, in the history of the church, from the time of the apostles until now, has been the result of intercessory prayer. 
There have been great awakenings without much preaching. (laughs) And preaching is vital. Don't get me wrong. But there have been great awakenings without much preaching. Usually the preaching was really causing those who were already under conviction to respond to the message of the cross. Amen. Without much or any organization, great awakenings occurred. But never under any circumstance without prayer. It's impossible to estimate the power of prayer. David Brainerd went out to reach the North American Indians for Christ. He was deep in the forest and alone. He was unable to speak their language. He spent whole days in prayer. He knew he must depend upon the power of God. Once he preached through a drunken interpreter who was hardly able to stand up, yet scores of Indians were converted. That is God's power in operation. So therefore, prayer is the single most important factor in soul winning. Dr. Jowett said, I'd rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. I think one of the things that's neglected today in training young ministers for the, for the, to go out and preach the gospel and young evangelists to go out and reach people is the vital importance of prayer and intercession, of doing spiritual warfare. I want to go back. I'm trying to cover so much ground. I want to go back to Ephesians 6 10. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, the rulers of the darkness of this world, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand uh, against the wiles, that means strategy of deceit of the devil. (laughs) And then as we go down and enumerate each piece of that spiritual armor, it, it should begin with the belt of truth. Your loins gird about with truth. How do we put on the truth? It has to be in our mind. For the scripture says we are to gird up the loins of our mind. To be renewed in the spirit of our mind. To understand this is the area and the target of the enemy of our soul. This is where he wants to have his influence. And that's why when Paul wrote the letter to discourage Timothy, he said, God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. When he talked about sound doctrine, he meant pure and uncorrupted But when he talked about the sound mind, the word sound here meant a disciplined mind, a mind that can be directed, a mind that can be focused on the right things and not influenced by the wrong things. Praise God. Well, back to Ephesians 6 again after enumerating, identifying the adversary and then enumerating each piece of spiritual armor that we is essential to overcoming. 
then we find the arena of battle because this armor is preparing the Christian warrior to intercede effectively for himself and for others. Hallelujah. Because Paul's next statement after the armor, after saying, having done all stand, then he says, praying for me and for all saints with all manner of prayer. He says the arena for this battle to be won, the arena where it will be won or lost, is the arena of intercession, the arena of prayer. Hallelujah. Praise God. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Literally, we used to sing the song, we're going up to the high places. We're going to tear the devil's kingdom down. Praise God. We're going to invade this area that he holds so uh, importantly and influentially. The, the world and all of its influence, the media, the music, the, the intellectual community, all of the forces of darkness in high places are no match for the mighty Holy Spirit and no match for the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I, I, I feel that fire within my bones today. I feel like laying hold of the horns of the altar again and praying that God will begin to move in such a way in over the city of Tampa and over your city, wherever you are, and over yourself and your family, over those hard cases that look like there's no hope. Friend of mine, I want you to know strongholds are beginning to fall. And I want you to know the devil is on the defensive. And, 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 and that's why he fights so hard. He fights what he fears. And he fears these Christian warriors that are going to stand up that these strongholds will come down and many souls in this last day will be ushered in to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And then have their minds renewed by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, our time is gone. I feel like a, a camp meeting type of anointing is right here, right now. One thing is for sure. The devil doesn't like this kind of teaching. He likes to continue to use all of these, these vehicles at his influence to hold in captive as many souls as he can. But Jesus came. He said the thief came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come. I've come to set the captive free to give you life <laughs> and to give it to you more abundantly. Another lie the devil seeds in the minds of men is if you become a Christian, all your fun is over. All the gratification, all the things that you're doing that you may have to give up to follow Jesus. What he's not telling you is that there's nothing you ever give up 
that you'll ever miss when Jesus comes in and satisfies the deepest longings of your soul. And without you having to sin and compromise and jeopardize your health, your marriage, your, your freedom, DUI can, can, you can have an accident and end up in prison and lose your career. There's so many diseases that can ravage your body because of the lust of the flesh. But I'm telling you, when Jesus comes in, When Jesus comes in, he said, I will give you life and I'll give it to you more abundantly. There's nothing can take the place of the peace and the joy that Jesus gives. Absolutely nothing. Hallelujah. So today I'm just praying for you. I believe if you've listened to this point in the broadcast, That there is a light shining in a dark place if you're not a Christian. I believe that light bulb that came on in my son's mind is coming on in your mind. And the prince of darkness can't put it out. (laughs) Don't run from that light back into that darkness and that prison that holds you. Run to Christ. Come just as you are. Repent of your sin and receive Christ as your Savior. He said, I'll give you life and I'll give it to you more abundantly. Oh, come to Jesus today. And if you're a Christian today and you're allowing influences in your mind that are pulling you away from the God who is calling you close to Himself to keep you safe and secure in these last perilous, dangerous days. Begin to focus once again on the Word of God, on the goodness of God, on the grace of God, on the person of God, the power of God. Look unto Jesus, for He is the author, the finisher of your faith. And come back next week, and let's talk about Him. 